Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, as you can probably tell, my voice is uh, heavily congested today. Um, but as they say in the theater, the show must go on. So we're going to make a podcast. I'll just use my James Earl Jones voice and sound a little bit like Darth Vader as I try to communicate with you this week. Well, I'd like to talk about an issue today that uh, comes up from time to time in ministry leadership, especially in pastoral ministry, and that is the subject of private baptism. Now, this came uh, to my attention again recently because I attended a worship service in which I observed uh, a private baptism. Now, that may all sound impossible, and it'll make more sense in a little while when I tell you the story, but I was at a church and uh, experienced how they had done a private baptism, and really for one of the few times in my life of ministry, I felt like it was done beautifully and appropriately. And so that raised the issue for me of uh, why I have resisted private baptism over the years, and is there ever a place and time for a private baptism? So first of all, what is it? Well, A private baptism is when someone comes to you and says that they want to be baptized, but they don't want to do it in front of people. Uh, They want to be baptized uh, at a church building or in a river or at a beach, but they want it to be a private experience, maybe just the person being baptized and the baptizer and maybe one or two other friends or family members, but they really don't want it to be a public event. So that's what I mean by private baptism. Now, Over my years of pastoral ministry and in training others for pastoral ministry, I have almost always uh, been opposed to any kind of private baptism. And I've, I've, I've been opposed for multiple reasons, but I'll just mention two. First of all, baptism is a public witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When you are um, publicly baptized, You are identifying yourself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you are declaring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by the act of your baptism, so that your baptism is not only an experience in which you identify with Jesus, but it's an experience where you publicly uh, proclaim or, or demonstrate or in some way witness the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to the people observing the act. And so for that reason, I've been opposed to private baptism because it doesn't fulfill the public witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Also, baptism is a public identification with a community of believers. Now, this is uh, usually meant to be a church community of believers, and I think in almost every case that's what it should be. So baptism is a person's opportunity to say, Um, I'm publicly identifying myself as a Christian, and I want to publicly identify myself with this community of believers who are are observing my baptism. Now, sometimes this has been conflated to mean that baptism equals church membership, 
Um, I think baptism is a prerequisite for church membership, but doesn't necessarily have to equal church membership. A church can require other things like a membership class or signing a membership covenant uh, to fulfill its membership requirements. And so baptism in and of itself doesn't have to be the only qualifier for church membership, but the public identification with the community of believers often leads baptism to being a part of becoming a member of a local church. So baptism is supposed to be a public witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and a public identification of a baptismal candidate with a community of believers. Now, having said that, these are, this is why I have an issue with private baptism. As I've already said, it doesn't fulfill the public aspect of the baptismal experience. It doesn't a publicly witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus or use the act of baptism as the witnessing opportunity that it's supposed to be. It also, private baptism also does not identify with a community of believers. It in fact avoids that identification by saying that you want the act to be a private one instead. Now, another reason that I've opposed private baptism over the years is that in most cases that I've dealt with, it has been motivated by pride or embarrassment or claims that faith is supposed to be a private matter. For example, someone will come and say, well, I don't want to be publicly baptized because I don't want people to see me with my hair wet, or I don't want people to see me with my clothes wet, or I don't want people to see me, I don't want people to see me in some kind of public uh, presentation that's less than my best. That's just simply pride. Sometimes people say, well, it's embarrassing. I, I don't want to <clears throat> show myself to be weak by placing myself in the hands of another person. I don't want myself to be perceived as um, being um, vulnerable or in any way not in control of my situation. And baptism, by its very action, is something that another person does to you. And so you are going to be vulnerable and at risk and placed in the hands of another person, even literally, while you're being baptized. But perhaps the reason that has most troubled me is that people who've asked me for private baptism claim that they want to do so because their faith is private. Um, <clears throat> they say, well, my, my faith is personal to me. It's private with me. And I really want to uh, experience baptism and express my devotion to Jesus, but I want it to be a private experience. Well, um, faith does have a private component, but it also has a public component. We own our faith publicly. We follow Jesus publicly, and we want to present ourselves to the community as a Christ follower, and baptism is a significant way of doing that. I think all these reasons uh, could be summarized in one illustration. A number of years ago, I dealt with a military officer who came to faith in Jesus. Now, his conversion was genuine. But soon after that, he started pressing for a private baptism. And his reasons were uh, basically the ones I've given on the podcast. He said, I, I want to be baptized, but my faith is private. And I feel like that I want my baptismal experience to be a private experience where <clears throat> I have a personal experience with God and Jesus and in my baptismal moment. He also said, 
I, I really don't want to be baptized in my community because in my community, I'm, I'm an officer. I'm, I'm respected as an officer. Uh, people look to me for strength and decisiveness, and I just don't want to seem uh, in my baptism to portray anything other than that. Well, uh, for those reasons, I was not supportive of his private baptism. However, another pastor accommodated him, and he was privately baptized. Uh, he later told me about the experience, and while I was glad for what it meant in his life, I still think that there were issues that were unresolved related to his spiritual development that could have been resolved had he been willing to face up to the reasons why he didn't want a public baptism and perhaps change his mind or his perspective. Now, let me talk about this recent example that I had of a private baptism and why it was so meaningful to me and why I think maybe for one of the few times in my life I observed a private baptism <clears throat> that really was very meaningful and significant. I recently attended a worship service where at the end of the service, the pastor said, now I'd like to make a special presentation to you as a church. And then he told this story. He said, a few months ago, I met a woman and started sharing the gospel with her. That led me to have an opportunity to meet her husband and start to share the gospel with him. He said, over the past several months, I've developed a relationship with this couple and eventually uh, <clears throat> led the man to faith in Jesus Christ and also his wife. Now, what made this couple unique is that the husband suffers from very severe PTSD. He's a war veteran. He has been severely damaged psychologically and emotionally by his wartime experience. And he is really unable to function in any kind of social setting or any kind of public setting. Um, he was able to make friends with this pastor over a period of months. And that relationship had to be built very carefully, very slowly, um, but very significantly into a point where the pastor was able to lead this man to faith in Jesus. Now, the man... The pastor then started instructing the, 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 the new convert um, about the importance of baptism and of following the Lord in baptism. But immediately there was this very significant challenge. Uh, this PTSD uh, victim really is not able to function at all in public. I mean, he, he very rarely leaves his home. He has a very small circle of relationships, mainly his wife and his two adult daughters. Um, <clears throat> he does not have a, the normal social skills that people would have. And, and it's not that he doesn't want to have those skills. Uh, he is struggling to find a way to get through this, this difficulty. Um, in the resources of the gospel, uh, we pray that he'll find the healing and the wholeness that he needs. But as a new believer, uh, that hasn't yet fully come to him. So he has this dilemma. He wants to be baptized. He's almost immobilized by his PTSD, and yet uh, the pastor was desiring to find a way to help him to take that next step of obedience and faith to Jesus and to experience baptism. So this is the solution they, just, they, they, they created. This, young, this man was um, willing to be baptized in a private way with his wife and his two adult daughters, 
uh, maybe one other church leader present with the pastor, and a videographer. And this is where the use of technology uh, really uh, assisted in this process. So the church, or excuse me, the, the small group met at the church uh, on an afternoon. The pastor uh, had a full baptismal service that they videoed. He explained the convert and his reasons for coming, or his, or his process for coming to faith in Christ. And then he explained some of the limitations that he had and why he was not able to participate on a Sunday in a full baptismal experience. And then he um, um, explained that they were going to video this service and that it would be shown, or video this experience, and it would be shown publicly later on in a worship service of the church. But where it really became powerful was he turned to the convert, this man seated in the baptistry, and he said, I called his name and said, have you, uh, public, have you personally committed yourself uh, to faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And it's an emotional event for me on the podcast here today. But, but in that moment, emotion just erupted out of this man. And with brokenness and with just, with just uh, a, 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 a heartfelt expression, he said, yes, I have received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. And the pastor then said, and are you willing to be baptized and to publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ? And once again, the convert said, yes, I want to follow Jesus with all my heart. Well, at this point in the service, I'm, I'm basically losing it emotionally. I have tears in my eyes. I'm, I'm just captivated by what I'm seeing on the screen of this video. Here's a man who's been broken by his willingness to go to war on behalf of our country. Here's a man that's been broken by his desire to, to serve our nation and to serve the cause of freedom. And yet, because this pastor had painstakingly sought out a relationship with this man, led him to faith in Jesus, and then brought him to this moment of public baptism, he was willing uh, in, this, in this way that, only, that, that he only could do one way, really. He was willing to be baptized. And so on that day, uh, I'm sitting there watching this, and my heart is just breaking for this man. My, my emotions are just pouring out of me as I'm watching this. And the, the church service is like deathly quiet. You, you could hear a pin drop as people were watching this video. And then you could hear a sniffle or two around the room as people like me were trying to hold back their tears. And then the pastor said, Upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my Christian brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he lowered this man into the baptistry and raised him back up. And when he came out of the water, the, the auditorium just e erupted in, in applause, in, in overwhelming affirmation of what the church had just seen. And I sat there thinking of all the people who've asked me for private baptism over the years who had dubious motives here was a man who wanted to be baptized publicly, but simply couldn't do it. And here was a pastor who found a very creative and significant way to help this man to participate in this public way through a private baptism. 
And my heart was moved by the experience. The entire church was moved by the experience. Um, I'm sure there was not one person in that room that would have said this was inappropriate or this should have been done differently. Everyone understood what was happening, and everyone grasped the significance of the moment. So in that way, and in that regard, I saw a private baptism, which I felt like was one of the most meaningful baptismal services that I've ever experienced. Now, with that context, let me say some words now of sort of overview and instruction. First of all, what are the best practices on baptism as it relates to this as it relates to this public private issue? Well, I still think that baptism should be as public as possible. And I want to encourage you guys that are in pastoral leadership today or those of you who are in churches that that may practice baptism a different way. I want to encourage you to practice baptism as part of your Sunday morning worship service as often as possible. Now, I know sometimes people say, well, we do baptisms on Sunday night or we do them on a weeknight or, you know, we do them in some other setting because there's just so much going on on Sunday morning. You're missing a significant opportunity. Practice baptism as often as possible on Sunday morning during the worship services when the largest number of people are present. Baptism is not just a person's private identification with faith in Jesus Christ. It is also their public witness of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when a person is baptized in a Sunday morning crowd, the most lost people are present, the most non-baptized people are present, the most children are present who see this baptism and wonder, what does this mean and what should it mean for me? The witness of baptism must never be overlooked, and the opportunity to do it on a Sunday morning is significant. I made it a pastoral practice to baptize on Sunday morning as often as possible and to only baptize in other services when that was the only time the person was available. Second, baptism should be done as often as possible. Now again, uh, churches make a mistake, I think, in saving up their baptisms for efficiency. In other words, well, we just want to fill the baptistry once a month or once a quarter. We have a baptismal day where we, we get out the robes or we get out the towels or we go through the, all the, the preparations and proceedings. Well, you're, <clears throat> you are letting efficiency undermine effectiveness in your ministry. Baptize every week if possible. And if you have 52 people to baptize in a year, baptize one of them every Sunday. Don't save them up and do it every quarter or anything like that. Why is that? Because once again, baptism is a public witness of the gospel. It's a public reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a public declaration of the faith of the gospel on a weekly basis. It's a public reminder to people who've not yet been baptized that they need to consider this reality. It's a public witness to children especially of the gospel and a reminder of them that they've not yet experienced this thing called baptism and they need to be inquisitive about it and moving toward that, uh, that experience in their lives, which of course leads to conversations about the gospel. So the public-private issue of baptism, I would say these two things. Baptism should be done as... Um, publicly as possible and as often as possible. And I advocate that baptism take place on Sunday mornings as often as possible and weekly as often as possible. And while it may be more efficient, it's not more effective to save up your baptisms for a certain day and only do them on that day. Now, you might say, well, 
that's the way our church does it, or that's the only way we can do it because of our building or our situation or our setting. Hey, if that's what you have to do, then I understand that's what you have to do. But don't misunderstand the or don't miss uh, don't underestimate the opportunity you have to do baptism uh, more frequently and more publicly as a witnessing opportunity for your church. And then, if there are opportunities that come to you about private baptism. Let me give you two or three ideas about how you can evaluate when a private baptism may be appropriate. First of all, private baptism is appropriate when the candidate has a compelling physical or emotional reason for needing a private baptism. There are compelling physical and emotional reasons, like the one I've just told you about in the illustration of, on this podcast. But pride, embarrassment, are the over-privatization of faith are not legitimate reasons for private baptism. Don't let people uh, talk you into a private baptismal experience for those reasons and avoid the opportunity they have of humbling themselves, publicly identifying with Jesus, and of giving a witness of the gospel. Another uh, way to know that private baptism may be appropriate is that the candidate really wants a public baptism, but for whatever reason, just can't do it. In other words, a person might say, I want to be baptized. I really want a public baptism. I want to be baptized on a Sunday or in a church service or at the beach or in the river, but I just can't do it for whatever reason. And if that reason is legitimate, it's not pride or embarrassment or privatization of faith, but they have a legitimate reason but they want to be publicly baptized, go ahead and do it privately because it's a matter of the heart in this case and they've made the decision to publicly be baptized. They just can't do it. Go ahead and facilitate a private baptism. And then finally, private baptism may be appropriate when the candidate uh, really wants their private baptism to be made public. In other words, when you say to them, yeah, we could arrange a private baptism for you because you have legitimate physical or emotional reasons, and even though you want to be publicly baptized, you really can't be, and we understand that. So we'll arrange a private baptism for you, but let's do it publicly. In other words, let's video it. Let's show it in the worship service. Let's let the whole church celebrate what's happening. And if the candidate is willing for that to happen, and not only willing, but actually wants that to happen, that's another indication that it might be appropriate to do a private baptism. You know, this kind of decision requires pastoral wisdom. Pastors are the frontline defenders of the doctrine or of the faith. As a pastor, you have the responsibility to uphold good doctrine and to do it in such a way that is appropriate in your context and doesn't involve compromise that really does damage the long-term witness of our faith or the long-term effectiveness of your church. But pastors also have to have pastoral wisdom to know how to apply the doctrines of our faith and to hold to the theological convictions of our faith in ways that really are meaningful and helpful. Pastors sometimes get faced with situations like this pastor was faced with recently about a private baptism. And I am really delighted that this pastor, who understands the doctrines of our faith, and is well known in his context for being a theological conservative and for standing for truth and for the word of God. I'm really glad that he had the pastoral wisdom to sort out 
How can we hold to our doctrine and hold to our theology while at the same time reaching this severely emotionally damaged man with the gospel of Jesus Christ and then helping him to give a public witness of his faith, not in the traditional way of giving that public witness, but by a private baptismal experience made public by the witness of the testimonies on the video and then the baptism itself. This pastor displayed uh, very insightful pastoral wisdom, and I applaud him for it. I congratulate him for it, and I'm grateful to God that I was able to be in his worship service a few Sundays ago and experience this profound moment. So private baptism. Generally, I've opposed it as a pastor and counseled against it as a, as a seminary president and denominational leader, but there are instances where it's appropriate And I hope this podcast helps you to do it. Make it a wise choice when you do have a private baptism. It's part of being a good pastoral leader to exercise good pastoral wisdom. You'll do that when you lead on.